Welcome to We Got This Covered's Cinemaholics, the weekly movie review talk show where John Negroni and Will Ashton discuss the biggest and best films coming to theaters. So sit back, relax, and pour one out for the two and only Cinemaholics. Welcome, friends and enemies, to Cinemaholics, the official podcast of WeGotThisCovered.com. I'm your cinema host, John Negroni, from the Internet, California, and live from the Internet, Pennsylvania. He's the guy holding up the concession stand line because the guy scooping popcorn doesn't know what layering the butter means. It's Will, I guess I'll have milk duds, Ashton. <laughs> I don't know. I've liked these past introductions. This one, not so much. Was this the interstellar <laughs> of the bunch? Oh, I don't know if I... All right, we'll, we'll also, talk about Also, from the broadband basement... Uh, we have Maverick Hines. God, so lazy. <laughs> Why do you keep doing that? You spend so much time on Wills, and it's just like, yeah, Maverick's here. Yeah, I guess. I, yeah, I do like that John's like, the prophecy once told that <laughs> a co-host would be here. Will Ashton would and review a, a legend. Oh, and Maverick's here. <laughs> Maverick made an appearance. I will not take this abuse. Well, Maverick, you promised, I don't know if it was even on the air, but you promised that you would do an intro for me. And are you still going to go through with that, or do you think it's too mean? Well, I mean, it doesn't make sense now, because you've already introduced yourself. My introduction was going to be true. in introducing John Negroni, author of the critically ignored book, Killer Joy. Ooh, yeah. Critically ignored is right. Yes. But also, that's a whole other story. Also, Maverick ignored. Maverick is always ignored, not just by critics, but by audiences alike. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, this is Cinemaholics. I'm really excited because this is our first Christopher Nolan movie. We're going to be talking about Dunkirk. In this episode, but not only are we going to talk about the World War II, uh, what I call a survival epic, but we'll get into it, uh, which was written and directed by Christopher Nolan. We're also going to talk about Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. So for the second week in a row, we have two featured reviews. So we're not going to have a ramp up segment, unfortunately. We just don't have the time. But we wanted to get to Luke Besson's movie as well, because Will and I saw it. Maverick, you, you did not see Valerian, didn't catch it. Uh, this was tough because both movies just came out. We kind of had to pick. I managed to sneak it in, but uh, we also have mini-reviews, uh, which we're going to talk about Aftermath. Uh, Will's going to talk about that. And I finally saw Colossal. So you guys don't know this, but I had a conversation yeah. with Will and Mav this past week because mm-hmm. I came out with a list, the, the 10 best movies of the year so far, and Will shared his own picks on our own like you know, Cinemaholics chat. And uh, Will, you had uh, Colossal on the list, and I was like, I got to watch it. Yeah, I think it's in my top five. If not, it's pretty close to it. Yeah, well, we're going to talk about it, and, uh, you know, I I, I'm definitely, I remember seeing the trailer earlier this year, and I kind of was kicking myself because I missed it. Uh, I Actually, I blind bought the movie, so that's how, that's how much faith I put into my fellow cinemaholic, Will Ashton. Wow. Nice. And if I had just guessed the candy correctly, you probably would have liked that intro. I thought Milk Duds, I don't know. <laughs> he seems right. to me like the chocolate dip uh, cookie dough kind of guy. Mm, yeah, maybe. Is that That's, right, Will? That seems more his flavor. Are we going to explore this? I don't know. Or no. You can if you want, or we can just talk about Dunkirk. <laughs> yeah. Are we going to talk about movies or the people who make them? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's cut to the chase. Uh, let's talk about Dunkirk. Um, so, this has been a highly anticipated movie, of course. And I want to just say at the outset Dunkirk is a movie that's competing with franchises, superhero films. And amazingly, we're getting this historical prestige film from one of Hollywood's most trusted directors. I think uh, I call him the blockbuster artist Mm. uh, in the sense that he lends a lot of artistic weight to genre films. He's tackled a lot of genres, and Dunkirk is no different. This is his first war film. 
obviously then of his first World War II film. And uh, in some ways, I think uh, his first historical movie, something based on a lot of uh, real-life events. So we're going to talk about all that, but here is, of course, the synopsis. Allied soldiers from Belgium, the British Empire, and France are surrounded by the German army and evacuated during a fierce battle in World War II. As I mentioned, it was directed and written by Christopher Nolan. Uh, His brother Jonathan Nolan doesn't share credit for the first time since uh, Inception. Uh, the movie stars a lot of unknown actors, along with ones you'll recognize. Among the unknowns are Fionn Whitehead, Damien Bernard, and Adrian Bernard. And uh, not of relation, I'm just saying it's Bar- Bar- Barnard and Bonard, which I'm, I doubt I'm saying correctly. But uh, mm-hmm. And of course, uh, we have some big names in here as well. Killian Murphy and uh, Mark Rylance, I believe this is his first Christopher Nolan film. And uh, Tom Hardy is in this, and Kenneth Branagh. And Michael Caine has a little bit of a cameo here. You hear his voice in the uh, the fighter pilot scenes. But uh, going further from that, we'll start with you, Will Ashton. Walk us through. First, just let us know, what what is a quick uh, mm-hmm. a read on this movie? What, what do you think people will experience? Like, what's the... Because I, 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 I kind of have a sense of, like, what you need to know going into this. And uh, please give us your overall impression on Dunkirk. All right, so what you need to know. I mean, this is just Christopher Nolan's first story that's based on, a, like, true life, right? I mean, he hasn't made a film... Grounded. I like to think Memento and The Dark Knight are totally <laughs> based on fact. Yeah, just yeah. true stories. Well, I was trying to remember if the Insomnia was based on a true story or not, but I can't really remember. Was the Prestige based? I mean, it had Tesla in it, but I don't think those were real. Yeah, people. that's why I'm. That's why I'm kind of. I was kind of hesitant to yeah. say whether or not. But anyway, it's it's his most. In a way, it's his most grounded film in a while. I mean. And that's not just saying because he went to outer space last time. It's just him approaching something that he hasn't really done before, which is a historical epic in a style that is kind of a pretty uncommon since like the 1950s, as far as cinema is concerned. And it's uh, it's a neat movie. I mean, it's obviously one that he made for the biggest screen possible because Christopher Nolan doesn't make small movies anymore. He makes them huge. He he makes epics in the most gargantuan sense. He is a big filmmaker. And, I mean, sure enough, this movie is well worth any, you know, big screen price you can pay. You know, similar to Quentin Tarantino last year with The Hateful Eight. I mean, this is a movie that demands to be seen on the big screen. And we said that a couple times before in a couple movies, and that they're true. This is summer movie season, but this is a movie epic in the biggest sense. But I'm hearing the word masterpiece thrown around a lot, and John might say it. I don't know about Maverick. And I can't quite get on the same boat. I'm liking this movie, but I don't think I can call it a masterpiece. Yeah, I wouldn't call it a masterpiece. I think it's a little early for anybody okay. to say either way. But I do think that there are certain elements in this film that are quite extraordinary. Um, but I do have my criticisms. I don't think it's perfect or anything. But uh, yeah, was there anything else you wanted to add before we move on to Maverick? Well, I want you. I, I kind of want to go off your feedback because I have some very pointed criticisms, but I think you have some very specific things to say first. Yeah, yeah. So this is a very inventive movie. Uh, for those of you guys who follow, like, how I usually review films, I pay a lot of attention to the visuals, of course. Like, Maverick is kind of the sound guy, right? Uh, I think, Will, you're very well-rounded. Uh, well-rounded, maybe. But thank you. And uh, <laughs> I-, I focus a lot on story and characters. Story and characters is my bread and butter. Uh, I can really get into a movie that's about something, especially if it has really interesting characters in it. And Dunkirk is not the type of movie that would usually wow, someone like me. Like, even coming out of Dunkirk, I was really mixed on it because I wasn't sure what I had experienced. And like a lot of other Nolan's films, not all of them, um, 
in fact, Inception and The Dark Knight are among some of my favorite films. Uh, I really love Prestige and Memento as well. They're they're all pretty high up there for me. Thought Interstellar was a mess. Uh, unfortunately, hmm. I, I really was disappointed by that one. I think my expectations were too high. And But going into Dunkirk, my expectations weren't super high. They were kind of manageable. And I think I went into it knowing that this wouldn't be a movie quite up to my taste because it's something that it's basically one long climax scene. And in a lot of ways that it would usually turn a movie off to me because the characters in it aren't exactly characters. There aren't a lot of character arcs, really. It's just a lot of moments that are weaved together in a very interesting way. And a lot of the characters are very dry and there's not a lot you know of them. And they're just very quiet. And usually I would dislike that in a film. And I think I had a weird reaction to it when I first saw it. But the more I think about this movie, the more I kind of go into Nolan's little puzzle box, if some people like to put it, the more I fall in love with everything that this movie does. Uh, every it, Much like the characters are action-driven, I think this is a very action-driven movie without a lot of action scenes. And I really enjoy it for the most part. I highly respect it. And I think I, I could see it going to be among some of my favorite war films. Uh, I put it up there hmm. with Saving Private Ryan, uh, Dirty Dozen, uh, which I have a spot, soft spot for, and A Bridge Too Far. Um, and even some unconventional, I think it is a lot like some of the unconventional war films where it tackles stuff that isn't usually tackled. I would say like The Bridge in the River Kwai. Uh, so I, I think this is one of those movies that will go down to be among some of the best in the war films. But Sorry, I didn't give you a lot of criticism as well. That's okay. Well, let's hear what Maverick has to say first. <laughs> I think uh, John's expecting me to kind of like crap all over this movie. And because of what happened with It Comes at Night, I'm going to be very careful on my language here. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that, but yeah. Good. Because I liked It Comes at Night, and I still get like, oh, I hated that movie. I, I didn't. Welcome to the internet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I just want to be very careful on how I present this. I thought the movie was really well done. I thought it was a pretty high-quality movie as far as everything goes. I did love a lot of the soundtrack moments, especially in the climax, or one of the climaxes, I guess. Um, I thought it was really well done, really tasteful. I had some problems in the beginning with the uh, sound mixing. It was really hard to hear people talking for me at some times, and I normally don't experience that, so just kind of a minor... Which I kind of was, I had that same problem, and then I came to realize that was kind of on purpose. Yeah. And, because and, of the way British people talk, it was, you're, I think you were supposed to be guided more about what they were doing rather than what they were saying. Yeah. And, and I get that, but it's still. not a defense. It's just sort of maybe an explanation. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. So, so, uh, so for me, that was, yeah. that was an er- like one of the first things I noticed was like, man, I, c- I can barely understand a lot of this dialogue, and there's not a lot of dialogue going on. So I'm missing very important stuff. We should preface, by the way, we did not see this in 70 millimeter. Because uh, we could have. Unfortunately, we weren't able to. Maybe that would have helped. (laughs) Maybe. Um, But again, yeah, I I thought it was a really high-quality movie. I I enjoyed most of it. Um, I just, I didn't love it. I didn't fall in love with it like I think a lot of people have. It's not something I think I would go see again or be like, yeah, you have to go see this movie. You know what I mean? Right, right. I I would recommend It Comes at Night to other people and be like, you should see this. It's cool. I don't think I would do that with Dunkirk for a lot of people. Unless I knew they were like, hey, are you into World War II? You should see this. This is a cool experience. Um, And it did appeal to that. I'm a... I, I like in junior high and high school. I loved reading about World War II. I've read a lot of biographies on like you know, Adolf Hitler and, and, and the Allied forces and stuff. So I'm a I'm a big World War II fan. So that part of it definitely appealed to me, and I think that helped me like it a little bit more than I would have if I didn't care about the war. Um, so overall, I'm just I'm just kind of like 
I'm, I'm very whatever about it. I don't dislike it, but I, I'm not, I'm definitely not like in love with it. Um, and all my criticisms I think are pretty mute for, for what's important here. It's just it's my, just, my yeah. theory about that. Honestly, the reason why I've been kind of hesitant to highly recommend it, I, I have recommended it to certain people that I think would, I, I do believe would like it. Uh, because for one thing, it's graciously short. It's only an hour 47. That's true. It's not a huge mm-hmm. commitment of your time. And uh, if it works for you, it's really going to work. And if it doesn't, I think they'll be in your boat, Maverick, where they, they'll like it, at least. Yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll say, my, I, I don't think the movie does, works really hard to create a connection between you and a lot of these characters, with the exception of maybe Mark Rylance, uh, who plays in this movie. He's a yachtsman who is one of the civilian volunteers who helps to go to Dunkirk, go behind him, technically enemy lines, because there are U-boats and, and German bombers just picking off these soldiers one by one, sinking destroyers. And uh, it's a very brave and courageous story of uh, these real-life British people who left their homes, uh, got on a few boats, and they went to go help these soldiers evacuate. We're talking about 400,000 soldiers. Uh, this was the biggest military defeat uh, until, I believe, the, uh, the fall of Singapore uh, mm-hmm. later on in World War II. But, I mean, it was a massive... It was a turning point. Uh, if the British Army had not evacuated those soldiers, uh, as many as they did, they wouldn't, have had, they wouldn't have had an army during the Battle of Britain. Yep. Uh, the war probably would have been lost because America hadn't entered the war to this point. This, this is the evacuation that led to Winston Churchill's famous speech, we're going to fight him in the air, in the land, the sea, and butchering it, obviously. But, I mean, this is... A moment in history that is very close to the British people, and it's something that I think Christopher Nolan understands, respects, and carries out in a movie that, my gosh, it should have been really boring, it should have been a little dried out, because a lot of it is people standing on beaches, waiting to die. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of it is being on a boat, uh, just sort of trucking along. But the way that he formats this, I think is very inventive. It reminds me a bit of uh, Cloud Atlas, where you start to like jump from moment to moment because, uh, so for going into this, this isn't a spoiler, they tell you in the very beginning, but I think it might be a little confusing. Uh, I, I was going to say, for, for me, and I, I, like I, I told you after the movie, I was like, I don't think I was smart enough for that movie because the way they explain the timeline. I didn't get it at first. I didn't either. get it at all. I, I think it is a little vague and you aren't meant, I don't think you're meant to really understand it until later in the movie. But what we're saying is that each portion, it's in, it, the movie takes place in the land, the sea, the air. Each portion takes place over a different amount of time and until they all converge narratively. So the land portion with the inf- infantry men on the beach takes place over the course of a week uh and then the sea portion where the civilians got to save them takes place over a day and then the the all of the combat scenes in the air with tom hardy's character that is only taking place over the course of an hour so that's sort of how everything's kind of weak but they all are working in different times but the trick of it is that you never you never get sort of dragged down the plot never just stops mm-hmm. it's just it, they're always cutting to different moments and leaving things off to be fulfilled later so that you're taking the situation in history and rather than dramatize it with fake history in order to have action spectacle you're actually being historically accurate and you're providing a very entertaining spectacle that's epic that is also a survival movie in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So that that's a big reason why I think the movie works for me. Yeah, and I think this movie does a lot of good, to, uh, like a really good job at um, kind of making these these sequences and like how people react to situations seem realistic. Like I believed that this is how people Very would react in this situation. Movie, yeah. And if you're a person who's afraid of drowning, like I am, 
huge fear of mine. This movie will torture you. Like, I, like most of Christopher Nolan's films. Yeah. He has a thing with people drowning. Yeah. And I, I want to say like all of his movies feature some element. Of this. I guess. And yeah. But this movie specific, Dunker. I like there were moments where I felt like physically sad. I, I do not like the idea of drowning. One of my biggest fears. And I felt uncomfortable at times because it was so realistic in the way that he was letting you know that these people were dying. Yeah. <laughs> I was kind of wondering though, if you guys heard this or not, did you hear there are some reports from people questioning the authenticity of the film? Um, actually, I've heard because I agree with you that the film feels authentic, but I'm wondering if they if there's any validity to those statements because I actually haven't read. I've them heard yet. the exact opposite. I've heard okay. that uh, they get a lot of details right. Um, I don't think they get everything 100 percent right. The only things that I've right. heard is that they don't focus on some of the real heroes, not real heroes, but okay. some of the other important key players in this, like the French mil- uh, military, yeah, who protected. A lot of these soldiers, they kind of held the line until, you know, the very last second. Um, and this movie yeah. mostly ignores them, which I, that did mm-hmm. bother me quite a bit, mm-hmm. uh, just yeah. historically. Other than so that, it's, no, I don't think so. I was going to say, no, it's like Titanic, sort of. Like, I mean, I thought about Titanic a lot while I was watching it, that, like, they definitely take broader strokes, like, with as far as fiction with the bigger stuff. But, like, the little minute details are so specific and so accurate that they make the movie overall feel authentic. And get you involved in the sense that you just feel like you're kind of walking the beach with them. Yeah, you are you immersed in this movie. And right. I've heard that even though it doesn't get everything 100% right, it's a movie. Uh, it right. does it does capture the soul of this event. But here's right. another thing that I really like. Because if you know anything about Dunkirk, what happened is twofold. On the one hand, it was it's a very bittersweet moment in history. Because the bitter part is the fact that the RAF uh, mostly abandoned them. And the soldiers were very bitter about this. And the movie doesn't shy away from that. There are two characters who are, you know, they are RAF and they are trying to help, but the soldiers still resent them because a lot of them didn't try to help because they were outnumbered. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also the fact that uh, this was a this was a, a bumbling disaster of a retreat. I mean, if you go back to what caused all of this, the reason that they got surrounded and pushed into Dunkirk was because Blitzkrieg. Uh, because the British army completely underestimated the Germans that they did. And they were arguing with themselves about appeasement and appeasing to Hitler. Mm-hmm. And what happened was the tanks and all the German forces just completely overwhelmed the front and just completely outsmarted the British army. And that whole feeling of chaos and all of these ships uh, just sort of like being sunk and uh, no one really has a set plan and they mostly, and they, effectively abandon a lot of these soldiers that's still captured here they, they they don't pull any punches but at the same time they still find a way to capture the soul like i said before of a the civilian heroes who came to rescue these soldiers uh that uh they did capture a lot of the bedlam in the soldiers uh the infantrymen sort of breaking rules and making immoral decisions for the sake of survival like that stuff happened um, the only things I think that they shy away from, they don't show a lot of uh, the underhandedness and a lot of the soldiers like betraying each other. But mm-hmm. aside from that, they, they do get to the desperation of everything. So, yeah. I think it would be nitpicking to really bog down the movie for some of the historical sure. stuff. Because it gets so much of it right. Right. And I just, I mean, I just, I heard that argument and I figured it was worth saying, but I haven't really looked into it. So, I can't speak on it with any real authority. So, but, so Maverick didn't yeah. love the movie. Uh, yeah. Well, what were some things that uh, you recognize about this one, especially in relation to other Christopher Nolan films? Uh well, there are two qualities in pretty much every Christopher Nolan film. 
they they typically are very brooding and very masculine. Mm-hmm. And this movie is probably his most brooding and his most masculine film to date. So I guess by that logic, it's the most Christopher Nolan movie to date. But it doesn't really feel like the most Christopher Nolan movie to date. I will say real quick about the masculinity. Maverick and I kind of argued about uh, the female characters because he was like, well, you know, you can't really give a lot of female characters speaking lines in an event like this. Whoa. (laughs) Do not paint that. Like, that is not what happened at all. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Sorry, go ahead, Will. Wow. <laughs> well, I feel like I have to let Maverick speak on his behalf for a bit here. John, <laughs> I'm so mad at you right now. <laughs> John came out of the theater and he was like, I'm really upset at the fact that there were like zero women speaking parts. And I was like, I, what I said is I understand your frustration, but in order, like according to a lot of the historical context of the situations they were in, there might not have been a lot of women around in those situations. Well, yeah, that the beach, that is what I said. About. He was, uh, yeah, don't even, I wasn't like, I don't think women should have talked in that movie. Like, that is not what happened. <laughs> Sorry for interrupting, Will. No, 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 I just want to make sure Maverick says peace. Thank you, Will. Uh, yeah, no, I'm kind of in between you on that matter, because I did, like, when I got out of the movie, I did feel like that exact way as you did, John. Like, I was like, man, like, like I can only think of, like, two female characters, and they're, like, both, like, nurses, I guess. Yeah, and they get one line and, each. like, only, yeah, yeah, like, they all, like, I think even the one, I didn't even remember at first if she had a line or not. And, but, and to be fair, there's uh, not a lot of dialogue in this movie. Tom Hardy has right. ten lines. Total. Yeah. And you can only understand about three of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so, I mean, I get that, and I also, I, I'm, like, in between you on that issue. Like, I'm not really complaining about it, but I also, at the same time, kind of feel like it limits the film. So, I'm kind of, I'm mixed on that part of it. But, yeah, I mean, so what was I saying? Okay, so it's his most brooding, his most masculine, and yet doesn't feel like his most Christopher Nolan film. And I'm trying to think about that, and I guess I don't know. Like I feel like it's like like his other movies. I, I guess the most Christopher Nolan aspect of the film is Mark Rylance subplot because it deals with like fathers and sons, and that's a theme that carries out throughout a lot of Christopher Nolan's movies, if not directly, then like spiritually. Uh, but I mean, I don't know. As far as I'm concerned, I feel like that part of the seg- that segment of the movie was what kept my interest the most, besides like the beach scenes. Hmm. Because I don't know, I just felt like there's more anchoring that film or that part of the film than the other parts where I was kind of like on and off with it. And I appreciate like the whole movie. I appreciated everything that they were doing, especially on a technical level. I mean, you cannot fault anything, you know, from the sound to cinematography, anything, because it's an extremely well made film. But I just feel like there's something that was, like, missing with it that's keeping me, like, in the same boat as Maverick, where I'm like, I like this film, I like it a lot, but it just, like, something is, like, keeping me away from that masterpiece thing, and that's, like, the thing I've been kind of thinking about this whole week. And I guess it's just that I just never... I, I understand why I didn't develop the characters that much, because you're just kind of going in, like... Like, with any soldier, you just walk on the beach, and you're not, like, going to hear about, like, their wife and kids unless, like, you're in a tender moment, like they are in, like, that bottom of the boat, but, like... You're just kind of following these people, and these mostly ordinary people in this extraordinary situation. And I get what they're going for, but at the same time, I felt like kind of empty afterwards in a way that I was not expecting. Hmm. Uh, yeah, you know, I I want to say it because we haven't talked about the cinematography much. Uh, so this is Hoytema's second movie, I want to say, with Nolan. Um, and okay. one of the few things that I did really like about Interstellar was its cinematography. I think that they these Great. two work well together. And it is weird because I find myself really liking a movie, again, for reasons I usually don't. Um, Sometimes I watch a movie like uh, Sicario, uh, Mm -hmm. and I love Denise Villeneuve as a director, but I don't love his movies. It's weird. But those are movies that try to tell stories through cinematography more than anything else. 
And for some reason, and, and even the same with Alexander Inarutsu, same kind of thing. But for whatever hmm. reason, it works for me with Dunkirk. I, I don't know what it is, but I think it's because it, it, it does feel like real immersion in, like, I felt like I was in the Destroyer. In, in a way, and I know, like, we say that sometimes in reviews, like, wow, you, you feel like you're really yeah. there. We alluded to that. I mean, what he does, though, with sound here, what he does with, like, just the little things of using the Luftwaffe as kind of like a monster, you know, by not showing any of the German characters, that little cinema, uh-huh. cinematic trick, uh, by kind of creating this boogeyman of the German army that any moment they could be coming from the sky, the land, the sea. I think the way he plays with genres here is pretty remarkable. So even though I think that's my connection to it, what's kind of filling in that gap that I think you guys have is that I felt like I had an amazing experience with this movie on a lot of different levels. I didn't have that experience in like, plotting and not even plotting i would say with uh just simple writing and dialogue but i don't want to fault it for that because that kind of makes sense to me the fact that they're so matter of fact each of these characters and i liked that it was really quiet uh it's a movie that like a lot of other nolan's films i don't think i would love seeing at home and it is a little you know i don't know what the word is not begrudging to but it's like uh, it owes a lot to the theater format, for better or worse. Sure. So, I wish you, I I wish I you guys like had liked it a little bit more. Just a little bit. <laughs> but, I, I mean, like, I've seen... Like, The Hateful Eight was, like, a movie, like, that same thing, where you're supposed to see it on the big screen. And, like, I've seen The Hateful Eight on the, the big screen, and I saw it, like, at home, and I liked it just as much both times. Right. Because that's really enjoyed that's the characters. But, no, but it's not just that. I mean, it's, like, the characters, yeah. I really like those. I just never really felt... Besides, like, Mark Rylance's character... And maybe to an extent, like Harry Styles' character, which we haven't even brought up, he he actually did a really good job. I did not expect to say that, but I thought he did a fine job. Um, but yeah, I, don't know, I just besides Mark Rylance's character and like maybe his uh, son and his son's friend, like I just didn't have that same emotional connection to the film. I guess like I, I felt like very intense, like I was like my heart was in you know my lap for a lot of it, but I just didn't have that same like I really like cared about these characters. And I, that's what I mean. Like that's what's kind of like the thing that. I'm, like going back and forth on it. I understand why they didn't develop them that much, but at the same time, the fact they weren't really that well developed, that just didn't have that gripping emotional center that I feel like is crucial to even like something like interstellar, which I know you consider a mess and that's understandable criticism, but I feel like that movie is easily no one's most emotional film. And I feel like that's something that is often ignored by some critics of it. Yeah. Cause I don't think he did a good job with it, uh, but okay. I right. will well, say we can, we can, we can maybe do, Interstellar for a last call or something. Yeah, Obviously, we're not going to talk that, about too much here. Big but I like the film. Yeah. John doesn't. We'll, 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 we won't go we past get that it. for now. Yeah, I, I'll just yeah. say that uh, I, I did actually have a deeper connection, more so than the main character. Uh, I had a deep connection with Gibson, um, his friend that he meets, who he, you know, he finds him burying one of the soldiers, and he's just sort of like helping these infantrymen silently. He never says a word. I found myself right. caring a lot about that character. Mm-hmm. And I found myself, at, by default, being really interested in those three dark-haired guys who look so similar. And I yeah, liked that's what I that, thought, too. I liked that visual trick with it. Like, sometimes you didn't know which was which. Yeah. And that kind right. of worked for me, because I was like, yeah, it doesn't really matter, though, which one is which, because it's right. a movie, right? Yeah, that, no one yeah. does that. Like, he does that with Inception. Like, oh, it doesn't matter if that, you know, because a film is like a dream, you know? <laughs> right. I mean, that was something that really bugged me during the movie, but like you said, like when I was thinking about it, I was like, oh, 
Yeah, I get what he was going for. But yeah, while I was watching, that kind of bothered me. But afterwards, I I appreciate more after the fact than I do during it. Yeah, I'm not saying Nolan. I I like that Nolan does a lot of different types of films. So he can do a heist movie, a comic book movie, and a war movie. And he can do them all, in my opinion, exceptionally well. Uh, With his own signatures in each one. Yeah, it's his own thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think we've talked about it quite a bit. This is a PG-13 movie. Very bloodless, and I came away. I, I, there were some moments that I thought were a little inauthentic because of that. I was like, "That there would be blood involved in that, or like that character would be screaming if he just got shot. He wouldn't be just fall to clutch his chest, fall to the ground. That's it." Yeah, some of that bothered me a little bit. Um, not yeah. a perfect grade coming from me or anything, but yeah, did it work for you guys? Was, the PG thirteen. Sure. I mean, was Christopher Nolan's last movie Insomnia? Was that his last R-rated film? Ooh, it could be, yeah, because he usually does PG-13 films, huh? Well, I know Memento's definitely R. Yeah, but he did Insomnia but, before uh, Prestige, right? Right. Well, he did, in, wait, he did Insomnia, then Batman Begins, then Prestige, I think. Uh, oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. I always forget, because I always did, think Prestige is 2004, not 2006. Well, I always, because I remember that because he always did, like, a Batman movie, and then uh, one of, like, he did one for them, mm-hmm. one for me kind of thing, like, he did... I'll do this Batman movie if I do the Prestige, and then he did Dark Knight Rises so he can make uh, Inception, and then he yeah, and then for there he made Interstellar and all that. Yeah, you were to say something, Matt? No, PG thirteen worked for you. Oh yeah, I was, thank you. Um, yeah, I don't I don't think it bothered me at all. Just because the focus of the movie for me wasn't like once I understood what we were doing, yeah, I wasn't really focused the on the whole war aspect. Yeah, and going. I was still like gasping for air because I felt like I was drowning <laughs> a lot of the time. But yeah, I, I just felt like the focus of the movie wasn't a lot of the fight scenes anyway, so it didn't bother me that we weren't seeing a lot of blood and stuff like that in the situations. Yeah. So what are what are your final thoughts, Mav? And final grade? Um, I, again, like I said, it's it's not one I would say you know go see this right now. You know, I'm not I'm not super excited about it. But if you just appreciate good movie quality, um, I liked the cinematography um, and a good score for the most part. I, I think it's, you know, if you appreciate a good movie, go check it out. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't think it's a total waste of your time. Um, <laughs> 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 a little passive aggressive. Yeah. yeah. I don't think uh, it's a total waste of your time. Just partial. Um, yeah. So it, for, for all those reasons and just my kind of like walking away, just feeling like, yeah, I saw a movie and, and that's okay. Um, I'm going to give it B minus. All right. Very nice. All right, Will Ashton. Yeah, I mean, you can't really fault anything about this movie from a technical level. I mean, it's all super proficient, to say the very least. I just kind of like with Maverick, like, I mean, on a quality level, this movie is like a B plus, probably an A minus. But like, just as far as like, considering everything that I felt emotionally or what I found lacking, I just ultimately settled on a B. And this is one, though, I am playing to I do want to see it in 70 millimeters. So I may see it again and have a higher grade for it after I kind of... Uh, set aside some of my criticisms with a second viewing but as it stands right now i'm gonna go with a b all right well i'm definitely different from you guys on this one i i think this is not quite a masterpiece but i I think it's a lot closer to that than uh i think you guys are giving it credit for i I do believe that what it does is kind of in my opinion better than the typical like creating emotion with characters and i think it gives you it puts an investment into a moment in history and prioritizes that over investment in a made-up character. And that's why the movie works for me. And I think that the... And like you guys have conceded, I mean, technically, I mean, this movie just is so immersive, realistic, but also at the same time, 
epic and a spectacle. I don't think that's easy to pull off. I think Nolan has done something really good here. He's redeemed himself in my eyes because I think his last two movies haven't been Christopher Nolan movies to me, like or, or at least at that quality that I think he really exists in uh, or works in. So for me, this movie is a an A minus and a strong one at that. All right. Well, with that, we're going to do our Valyrian in the City of a Thousand Planets review. But first, a quick break. Uh, don't go away. We're, I see you. You're about, to, you're about to skip forward a few seconds. Don't do it. We're going to be right back. Calling him out. <laughs> don't you touch that mouse. <laughs> hey, Maverick. So we have to tell the listeners about a couple of things real quick before we move on to the rest of the episode. Are we telling them in our deep, dark Batman voices, too? Yeah. Cool. But no, first, we're going to talk about our Facebook page. Matt, oh, have you ever been on the Facebook page? Let me tell you a little for bit something. Cinemaholics? Let me tell you something, Cinemaholic listeners and John. I don't think you know this either. Our Facebook page saves lives. Okay. okay. And I'll tell you how. Because you go to that. Fa- I'm doing it right now. I'm following my own steps. You go to the Facebook. Yeah, you type Facebook in page. Cinemaholics Facebook. Okay. I see Cinemaholics. You Same. go there. Boom. We have a bright orange banner. Already happier. Okay. Yeah. I've yeah been it's, awake- it's positive. I've been awake for literally 15 minutes, and I'm already in a better mood. Let's see. Let's see some of these posts, you which are all before this started, <laughs> which are all hand curated by Bill Action, not Will. Yeah, Bill Action. He goes to alter ego. It's dangerous. Well, Bill Action is the intern in this situation. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know which one. I can't he's remember a, he's what a great social media intern. Yeah, I have no. I don't know what story we're telling for him anymore. Bill Action? Yeah. It's kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure yeah. I thought he was a war vet. I don't know what's happening anymore. I'm more concerned about how you were feeling before you checked out the Cinemaholics podcast page and the fact that a podcast fan page is preventing depression for you? It wasn't preventing depression. I just woke up it was grumpy. treating it. Yeah, and now I'm just better. It's like a nice... That's not depression then. Yeah, I never said depression. You said depression. Okay. Well, you know, <laughs> you, you were saying a lot of buzzwords. <laughs> So the Cinemaholics At least you're Facebook concerned. page is... And I just see post after post of Bill Action curated wonderfulness. Yeah, they're really good. Good and questions. Questions. Links sometimes. And I'll tell you what, John. Let's say I didn't know you and I wasn't a Cinesober. Oh, that'd be nice. Cin- All right, wouldn't that be great? And I was like, how, how can I talk to these guys in a public forum that's a little bit fun. How do I get a hold of Bill Action, John Negroni, and Maverick Hines from the sound... Uh, You'd have to send a raven, right? Yeah. Game of Thrones stuff. You have to send a raven. You have to train a pigeon. That can take years. So what we do is we ask you questions here. We leave stuff open. And you can talk to us. How long does that take? Months? It takes minutes. Wow. All three of us get notified. I actually don't know if that's true, but I'm going to lie right now and say we all get notified and we all respond accordingly. Well, Mostly you always Bill mute our messenger chats. Yeah, but that's so. a different thing. We don't need to bring them into the world of my disparity at this so point. So that's the Cinemaholics Facebook page. Go like it. It's in the show notes to so go check it out. Uh, and there's a couple other things. Check out the We Got This Covered YouTube channel for all of the latest trailers. All the trailers that I send to Maverick via text that he promptly deletes. Ignores without even looking at them. I see YouTube dot blah, 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 and I go out. Well, no, you see John sent this to you or whatever username you have for me in your phone. I don't save your number, so. Okay. <laughs> Unknown. Yeah. You can also find the Cinemaholics archive, uh, past and present, fu- uh, and maybe even future episodes if we you manage can, that time you travel can, thing. You can see how far we've come. That's right. There's some there's some iffy stuff there. Uh, don't forget to leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts because we want to be popular. Is that is that like the goal behind that? The reviews? 
Well, you know what? With the the more reviews, reviews helps us later down the road. Because you guys review it, we've been seeing a lot more listeners come on. The family's getting bigger. Mm -hmm. Now, I understand you might be like, well, I don't want a younger brother, younger sister. And I get that. Maverick, what would you say to that? Well, I mean, it's just like when mom comes home and she's like, hey, you have a younger sister. You have have options. You can slave labor. Not where I was going. (laughs) Wow. I can't believe you just said that. Well, I was going to like colonial times there. Yeah. I w- that's why you had kids, I was just right? going to go with like the whole like run away with like the knapsack and like the bandana tied to an end of a stick or like, mm. you I don't like, start your own. I don't know. I lost my joke. I had something great and you threw slave labor at me and now I'm just right. Uh, not that was, that you was know what I need to do. I need to go back to the Cinemaholics Facebook and brighten my mood a little bit. Yeah. You'll feel a lot better. Uh, the Apple podcasts uh, and Google play and Stitcher, please leave us a review and rating if you like us. And the last thing is to email us. Cinemaholicspodcast at gmail.com. Maverick, but, why should anyone email us? Okay, I'm going to give a little asterisk to this. Email them, but like, leave me alone, guys. I don't know what I did to all of you, but the last few emails have been a little hating on Soundmaster. Maverick's been relying on Facebook pages to get him out of this. And yeah, he, he that's, could use your that's why I'm at where I'm at. I slept in until noon. I'm really upset. I just So if you're not going to check out the Facebook page, I'd l- give Maverick something. Yeah. Just with an email. Be my friend. An let email. us know what you think of the show. And even if you hate something I did, say it in the email, let us know. But at the end, be like, P.S. PS like, I love you. Or Yeah, like, I'm getting just... tired of like not telling Maverick about any of the emails because I'm just scared at this point. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm in a dangerous place. All right. Valyrian and the City of a Thousand Planets from Luke Basson. A director that, uh, I'm going to be honest with you guys... You know, I, I'm actually in the camp that I really like Fifth Element. I have a nostalgia for that movie. It's one I did see in the theater. Uh, it, it is a movie that I think is crazy and out there, but I love it, uh, it in all of its absurdity. Um, I, I didn't love Lucy, uh, which came out a few years ago. And uh, I don't know. Will, did you like that one? Lucy? Yeah. I appreciate the weirdness, but ultimately, I, don't, I think it's a bit of a mess and it didn't come together. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at, too. Valyrian in the City of, of a Thousand Planets is definitely an interesting project for Luc Besson. Uh, this is a French-American collaboration. It's uh, written uh, by Pierre Christen because it's based on the comic book series uh, Valyrian and Laureline, which I started reading uh, in the past few months, sort of get a, kind of a leg up on like what this universe is about. The and what's it? What sorry? What I meant to say that was interesting about this is, Lupin's movies borrow a lot from Valerian, and it's kind of in, it's kind of amazing actually that he is making this movie. Right? It's sort of like if uh, Richard Donner had made like a John Carter movie, you know? Or I mean, it, I compare it to Steven Spielberg making Tintin. Sure. Yeah, because like y- you do see an artist who and J.J. Abrams, right? Uh, doing yeah. Star Wars. It, it just it right. feels like, oh, well, you already were sort of making that movie with other properties, so why not? Um, I don't know if... Uh, well, how familiar are you with this graphic novel? Uh, not at all. Have you ever read I... Spaceman Spiff from Calvin and Hobbes? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm familiar with that, at least. <laughs> well, that, that to me is like a decent enough primer. It's that same sort of like oddball okay. space sure. ex- exploration wackiness. Very at times it's very incoherent. At times it's very dramatic, uh, and uh, I love Spaceman Spiff. He's great. This movie stars Dane DeHaan, Cara Delevingne, and 
Clive Owen, Rihanna, Ethan Hawke in a very interesting role. He plays someone named Jolly the Pimp, which I refuse yeah. to forget to mention that on this show. And when right. I saw Herbie Hancock's name in the credits, I, I kind of did a double right. take. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, right. What is he doing? Is he like, uh, and he's like playing the Tyler Perry in Star Trek role where he's like the leader of this federation. Right. Um, all that said, Lyrian the City of a Thousand Planets. I, I'm excited. This is a long movie, two hours and 17 minutes. Here's a synopsis. A dark force threatens Alpha, a vast metropolis and home to a species uh, from a thousand planets. Special operatives Valyrian and Laureline must race to identify the marauding menace and safeguard not just Alpha, but the future of the universe. Will Ashton, what do you think of Valyrian? All right. So this is one of those movies that, you know, when we go to different movies for this podcast i kind of have a general uh and uh, uh perception of what i'm gonna feel about it. like i don't know 100 percent, but i generally know like i i know i'm gonna like get out for instance i know i'm gonna like logan i know i'm probably gonna like you know war for the planet of the apes or baby driver this movie i had no idea what i was gonna think i mean i was hearing different ports left and right everyone was saying different things some people loved it some people hate it like you said or you were saying before that I had no familiarity with the comic strip, and truth be told, I'm not even that well versed in Luc Besson's filmography. I haven't seen The Fifth Element. I haven't seen Leon the Professional. I haven't seen uh, Le Female Nikita. Uh, Le Femme, how you pronounce that one? I, I would just uh, say Nikita, but then I think of the TV. Yeah, show. sure. <laughs> right, that's what I was gonna say. So I'm not like I'm not a, like I like Besson fine, but I'm not that familiar with his filmography besides like some of his writing contributions. Uh, contribute uh, contributions. Sorry, some of his some yeah, contributions. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So I went in this one completely unaware of what I was going to feel coming out of it, and I don't even know if I can say this is a good film. I but I can tell you that I had an absolute blast watching it. It is such a bizarre, odd, berserk, just completely nutty film that is totally unabashed about how nutty and bizarre it is. That it's just it's just a rare oddity that is just like. There's, like, no reason why this movie, like, should be made at this budget and this day and age. Like, it just, it's a comic that no one, like, besides John, obviously, would really know. I mean, it's uh, very famous overseas. In America, that's the case. But Valyrian, a lot of things have ripped off Valyrian over the years. So, like, it's very easy to see in this movie so many things that were inspired where you're like, oh, I saw that in this movie. But Valyrian did it first. Right. So, it's like another John Carter situation. absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I mean... But yeah, it's just, I mean, it's so nutty and odd and like just full out weird that I just, I think I just appreciated its willingness and its ballsiness just to be this weird and this outgoing. And I'm really like, like, I didn't know uh, how I would feel. I'm not sure how John feels. I kind of want to know what you think first. Okay. uh, I hate this movie. Um, What? I think, I think that this is not a good movie and the few things about it that I do like because it is a blast to watch certain elements of this movie. And I do appreciate that 2017 is a year of how did this get made, <laughs> which is right. great. If you're a, a movie lover, we're getting a lot of different movies coming out this year that do kind of take yeah. me by surprise. But remember when I was saying before that the things I care about most in a movie are story and characters. Mm-hmm. Guess what Valerian right. is terrible at plot. Story, plot, and characters. Uh, Plotting, not so much, but story and characters, absolutely. This is a movie, and I gotta say, maybe it's because I read the graphic novel, but Dane DeHaan in this role is probably the worst casting choice in the last 5,000 years. 
He is That's so my main criticism. bad in this movie, and Fine. I just can't. He's so bad in this movie that I think I liked Cara Delevingne in this movie. That's where I'm at. Yeah. Because every time she has an extended sequence where he doesn't show up, that was my favorite part of Valerian and the City of right. a Thousand Planets, because I was just able to watch um, someone who, she isn't the best actress in the world, but... Cara Delevingne is a very beautiful person with a lot of poise. Uh, she is somebody who... Yeah, she... I mean, beautiful... She has presence. She has poise. She knows how to carry herself. Yeah. She has presence. She knows how to move in ways that are interesting. Like, when just the way that she sits down and, like, uh, you know, commands a ship. It just kind of feels like somebody who lives in this space. Whereas Dane DeHaan, we're talking about a guy who is talking like this. Like, I'm going to sound like I'm 30. Oh, right. Cara Delevingne. <laughs> and he's sexually harassing this Cara Delevingne character, this nice woman. Uh, I... He is sexually harassing Cara Delevingne throughout this entire movie, Will Ashton. There, there well, is no sugar. I mean, I'm not going to argue with sexual. Okay, go ahead. This is a very misogynistic movie. And like, in a no, way, that can that. work because this is based on a 60s property. You can lean into that and make that a very right. interesting movie. But... Instead, when you have Dane DeHaan doing it, he doesn't pull it off. He just comes off as a scumbag. Both characters are unlikable because one of the first establishing moments you have with them, they're in a situation, one of their first scenes together, where a group of people, their allies and friends, have died. Mm -hmm. And they walk away from the wreckage. And Laureline, who is supposed to be the best character in this graphic novel, the most well-written, walks out from that and is like, oh, that thing ruined my dress. Screw her. <laughs> Screw Dane DeHaan's character and performance. This movie is terrible. All right. God. I mean, dang. the weird thing is that I don't disagree with most of your uh, criticisms. It's because, like, I mean, 100% cool. I agree. But, like, hang on. I mean, like, <laughs> Dane DeHaan is wildly miscast in this role. I think we can all agree. I, th- I get what they're, I think I get what he's going for. Like, like let's, let's try Chris Pratt, but the exact opposite. Well, I was getting more of a Harrison Ford thing, but yeah, he's basically playing against type in this kind of macho, like uh, super masculine role. Swagger, and obviously, but like swagger. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I don't know. I mean, for the beginning of this movie, I was extremely bugged by that performance. But I don't know. I mean, I, and also the same with Cara Delevingne. I think she has great presence, but I just don't think she can really like channel a great character. At least I think that was the fault career. of the writing, to be honest, in this movie. But well, I, I okay, think but like I feel you have a good case because she hasn't proven herself in other movies with probably better writing. Right. Well, that's what I mean. Like Paper Towns is not really a great film, but had decent writing, and she didn't really. Yeah, but she's barely in it. Like, li- like, yeah, but I mean, even like the scenes that she's supposed to be like, you know, like this elusive like girl that he's supposed to like chase after and all that stuff. I feel like in the book you feel that, but in the movie, it just it's kind of lacking from her perspective. But anyway, I like that book. Uh. The book, yeah. I mean, the movie, I'm kind of mixed on. But, yeah, uh, sure. Anyway, uh, yeah, so I think, I think the reason why I still like this movie, despite those criticisms, which are very valid and most of them I agree with, is that this, like, in, in any other film, I would agree with you and I'd say that kills it. But I think the character, the main character of this film is either Luc Besson or his weird, wild vision. It's because this movie is so busy and so active and so consistently just, like you said, like the chase that keeps driving you through every set piece and every wild envisionment that he is coming from this like graphic novel. I mean, I can't honestly say how much he's borrowing from the source material and how much is just coming from his weird mind, but like it just it's so consistent, so wild, and so like as eye poppingly like 
berserk that I just, you know, I just kept going along with it, even though the characters weren't really, you know, drawing me in. And at the same time, I think the fact these two are so wildly miscast and so, you know, just like going against every goodwill this movie had, I think it just kind of adds to the general weirdness of the film. It just makes, it's just an extra layer of weirdness to it that I think I kind of endeared to. It's just like, like even the casting is like even the casting is just weird. Like it's just I don't know. It's just I so, was okay with Ethan Hawke and Rihanna to be honest, but yeah. No, I no, no. I mean, part. I'm not. No, no. I, I think Ethan Hawke is great. Uh, I think Rihanna is. I think she's fine. Yeah. Like as a screen presence, kind of same as uh, she gets, Cardelli, she gets a, But I think she when gets she gets a really cool scene that I think is kind of bonkers, yeah. but it works. Right, but I think when she's like has to deliver jokes and she mm-hmm. has a performance that eventually kind of goes into like voice acting. That's why I think that she gets really bad. Because she cannot really tell jokes. That's the same thing with Battleship. Really do comedy and voice acting. Well, yeah, and also Battleship. But um, yeah, I mean, just like like I said, like I think it's just such a visceral experience for me. This movie that I just am so willing to overlook like the flaws I normally would, and also like I think maybe just because I'm not that familiar with Luc Besson's filmography, that this is just kind of like my first time seeing his like super bizarre weird vision of things that maybe that kind of helped me endear to as well i think part of it too is that i you can just sort of tell that dane dehan is trying to be bruce willis and in a way Elvin is trying to be mia jovovich and they they can't do that (laughs) but anyway i I, honestly this this to me sounds like the inversion of our reviews of dunkirk because right i think it is kind of that same thing where like you were more i think you were more immersed in this world in the set pieces right my thing with that sure. is I liken it to Phantom Menace, where this is a more creative film than that one. But Phantom Menace kind of, in that way, was a movie with pretty terrible characters, but really cool ideas and action set pieces. And you kind of just go along for the ride. And when you're in the moment, it's a movie that keeps you in it. This is not a worse movie than, say, Ghosts in the Shell. You know, Valerian sure. isn't trying to be high-minded. It is a bit of a breezy film. If it was a bit shorter, I think I would like it a little bit more. And uh, sure. and, so, and I don't think it's I don't think it's terrible if we're ju- if we're judging it overall, because you do have to factor in there are really cool things in this movie that I wish were done better actors. But there there's an entire scene where you have like characters in different dimensions going in and out of dimensions. Uh, you have Car Delavine sticking a jellyfish uh, up or like going like through a jellyfish's anus <laughs> and like <laughs> like reading minds. It's 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 so much good source material yeah. and so many cool and ideas. The, but the characters let them down. Okay. Yeah. And um, oh, well, I had a point. Oh, oh, yeah. I was also gonna bring up those like weird duck avatar things or um, the little gargoyles. Things. Yeah, they they kind of remind me of a mix of um the gargoyles from um Hunchback meets the uh, what are the things from Hercules that were with Hades? Oh yeah, the, the little demons. demons. I don't I don't even remember their names. And uh, but I the, was thinking of uh, and the Phantom Menace the, character. And, what what's his oh, okay. name? No, the one who flies around, and he has that same oh, kind of uh, Misa, uh, no, oh, no, 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 wait, what's whoa. his name? Um, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I was He's thinking of a different one. Oh, I know, master, but I don't remember. Yeah, I know exactly. I, I can see him. I just can't think of his name. Yeah. Uh, he's like kind of like an Indian stereotype character you're thinking of, which is this. This guy isn't. Uh, these characters aren't really a stereotype. Or I think oh, he's yeah, like, like a combination kind of, say, of stereotypes. But yeah, right. Well, every what's I think okay. I'll go back to the prequel thing in a bit, but uh, that's what I was going to talk about. But I was also going to say these uh, three things, they also kind of remind me of the smoking aliens from Men in Black. Yeah. Just how, like, they, they were they kind of passive aggressive yeah, about everything. Yeah, they're kind of like wandering around and like they kind of get caught up in the <laughs> trouble. Yeah. Right. But anyway, yeah. So I think my main distinction between this movie and the prequels is besides the weird racial stuff that's in the prequels, yeah. 
I just feel like those movies, they have a lot of vision in the backgrounds. I'm talking about the prequels. They have a lot of like vision in the back, but there's like no real energy that's enthused from George Lucas as a filmmaker. He is just like there kind of doing this because he feels kind of obligated to do it, which is kind of the same problem with the Hobbit tre- uh, prequels is that you have this great filmmaker. Well, actually, I don't even know if George Lucas is really a great filmmaker, but you have a visionary filmmaker he, who's just George kind of Lucas going is through a the great motions. Filmmaker. Making a few bad well, movies ma- doesn't undercut the fact that he made three classics. And he uh, well, and Indiana Jones. Well, he didn't make well, Indiana Jones. Well, still, he, he was Spielberg a filmmaker. Indiana he Jones. wasn't director, but... And there's also an argument to be made that Star Wars was saved in editing, but that's a whole, still, whole other discussion. Still, and not- he, American Graffiti is a very good film as well. Okay, well, I haven't seen American Graffiti, to be fair. But anyway, so my point is that the prequels are so inspired in... Like, are, they're inspired in the sets, designs, and stuff, but they have no creative enthusement from the filmmaker as far as, like, the characters or the like, general energy of the film. Like, the cinematography is super flat and stuff. Whereas this movie, yeah, the characters are annoyingly kind of just passe, but, like, the, there's so much energy that's coming from Lupus. So you can tell that he's been wanting to make this movie his whole life just because, like, just there's this whole drive and this whole, like, just energy that's, like, blasting through. And normally that would feel like too much, but I think it's a credit to him that it is as breezy as you say, like it, it just keeps flowing up until like like the two hour mark the, or the so, or like the one fit. Is yeah, that's when bad, things kind of start cool. to wind down. But like normally, like like that's what I mean. Like I would like ninety five percent of the time hate this movie like you, but there's just something about the fact that Luke Besson made it in this way with this much energy and this much passion that I'm just kind of just digging it. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't disagree with you. I think those right. are all very valid ways to read the film. Uh, it does have an energy right. to it. And there were moments when I was kind of like, this is fine. But I, I guess it just comes back to, especially when you realize what the story is, you find out that this whole thing is about just like a weird government conspiracy that w- was obvious in like the first scene. And it, it just, nothing, the movie's not about anything. And that's also like a slight against it. Because all that leaves you with is investment in the two main characters. So that's why the movie falls apart completely for me, because I feel like I wasted my time. I don't think the visuals were good enough to overlook the fact that hmm. I don't want Dane DeHaan and Cara Delevingne anywhere near each other at this point. I felt like I was watching sure. like a brother and sister kiss. They also look very similar. And like right. there's nothing about their characters that makes sense. It's very right. incoherent. Uh, the, the whole thing which just... They've been working together for a long time. All of this stuff converges on like her birthday, and there is some winking to like. Yeah, honestly, uh, I was going to say winking to like the idea that time moves very fast in the graphic novel, which is a thing. There are some yeah. nice callouts to that, but honestly, th- this whole thing where they it feels like this is a sequel to a movie that we needed first because there's no sense like Laureline is a very interesting character she has a really cool origin uh she's actually like from the 11th century but like he kind of finds her in an adventure and they you know they become friends they become partners and like their romance is just a little bit there's, there's more to it it's more complex where in this movie it's it's just bad and, and it's it's kind of aggressively bad like they keep rubbing it in our faces and the lack of chemistry between these two characters when you build the whole not the whole movie but i mean i would say like the heart of this movie is supposed to be these two characters because they're always when one's in trouble they're always trying to help each other since that's so much of this movie's drive until like a lot of the final act of the movie when all of a sudden it's about something completely different that's when i'm just like this is a bad movie because no no amount of thrills and chase sequences 
for me, can save that. It just kind of makes it palpable until the movie's finally over. Yeah, I guess, I mean, I do agree that, like, they have this whole thing with the leads where it's like, at first, I thought, like, Dane DeHaan just wanted to sleep with Cara Delevingne, and that's, like, that was his whole kind of drive with their relationship. It was? Besides their working thing. Because... It- <laughs> well, I know, but, like, but then, hang on, hang on, let me finish. But I was gonna say, like, there's a point, and it's not even, like, halfway in the film where he's like, oh, yeah, she's the love of my life, like, with the certainty that's, like, wh- like where is this coming from? Like, how how would you just decide, like, on the brink of, like, a moment that, like, this is your, like, ro- like the love of your life, the woman you want to marry, like, it just comes out right. of complete like, nowhere. Right, they've been working together for a long time. Why now? <laughs> there is nothing right. that instigates this at all. And, like, also, like, they, like, it's implied that they've, like, they're in spirit, they're, like, maybe 30 or 40, but, like, they look like they're, like, in their early to, like, mid-20s. I would say, like, which late I guess, teens. Well, I mean, like, I, I think they look like they're early 20s, but, yeah, they like, they look younger than, I guess, they're supposed to, which I can't really tell if that's just supposed to be part of the weirdness of it. Which is why like I was saying, thinking, like, like the fact- an origin story would have made more sense. But, yeah, but I agree, I agree with you in a sense, but I feel like that's, like, in a perfect world. I know that Luc Besson probably could only get this movie made, like, on a miracle and a dream. So I, I understand that, like, he's just throwing everything that he can in this movie because he knows he's probably never going to get a sequel. And that's, like, there's, like, this whole subplot with um, Rihanna that we were talking about, which really, like, if you took that whole segment out of the film, it really wouldn't, like, it wouldn't affect the really story anywhere, at all. Yeah. And that's probably why the climax feels so tiresome is that there's, like, this whole extra, like, act in the film that really doesn't go anywhere. But at the same time, like, I, I think that's a huge, and someone could argue that, I think that's a valid criticism, but at the same time, like, I feel like that's, like, a a comic from the source material that he really wanted to do, like this whole subplot that he wanted to do yeah, like a I sequel, but he knows that he just can't make that film. Like we were talking about inspirations. It's like Futurama. Like it's a very sure. typical, like even, those characters even look like Hypnotoad, <laughs> you know? Right. But I feel like, like he knows that like, he will never get like another film to do that. So he's just throwing everything he can in this movie, yeah. which I guess is like, I don't know. Again, like I think, our biggest disagreement is that I find the visuals very alluring and you just could not care less really about the images besides a couple key moments. I, I would say also and because it, I don't think the CG is that impressive. I think what they eh, do with no, it is I, cool, I think the CG but is I, th- really good. I don't think it's very believable in a lot of places, but yeah. a lot of it's very well, rubbery it's, and uh, I don't know. I disagree with you there, but I, I mean, there's a good chance that like, like Avatar, I will come back to this years later and be like, what the hell was I saying here? Like, John was completely right. There's a good chance that might happen. But again, we're talking, and then the same like with Dunkirk. Maybe a couple years from now, I'll revisit Dunkirk, or even just a couple weeks from now when I see in 70 millimeter. And I'll be like, man, that movie was really great, and John was or right. Or you'll again. double down, but- and you'll be like, man, John was an idiot. Like, yeah. These movies. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not like that aggressive of a person i'll admit when i'm wrong i mean and plus i'm recorded so i can't like if even if i yeah. try to do that i mean i'm recorded so like i'm saying like i'm just talking about them in the moment right now i just feel like this movie is bonkers in a way that i found very fun and very endearing and very charming despite its huge problems i'll count that as your... problems that i completely understand that i would say for me this is a b minus just purely on the visuals and the entertainment value it got up. oh wow it's a that's B-. a lot lower than i expected but okay I mean, again, this this movie has huge problems. I cannot dispute yeah. that. I'm just saying I just had a lot of fun watching it. All right, cool. Well, I'll, I'll count that as your final thoughts and grade. Yeah. Um, I figured because we're kind of going long on this <laughs> yeah. one. Uh, I don't have too much to add except that I think that I, even down to the title, it's like Valyrian. The comic was Valyrian and Lorleen. And I just feel like poor Lorleen is like given the shaft right. so many points. Not a lot of female characters. I I, I just I, I know it's kind of pedantic to bring that More stuff More than up. Dunkirk. 
Yeah, there are more than Dunkirk, but if they had done it better, you know, like if these were... Uh, all right. But anyway, uh, honestly, this is a movie that entertained me in pieces, but I, the more I think about it, the more I just really dislike what I saw. I, it just... I don't think it just delivers on anything that it was really going for it, and its story is just so lame. I mean, the whole thing hmm. that it's revolving around is just really overly simplistic and it didn't capture things from the graphic novel that i think were the best uh the things that i love about the graphic novel are time travel and going to a lot of rich locations and it just looks like they really wanted to tell another version of the fifth element instead which is fine because the source material calls for that but i don't know i I think that luke basson you know it's a passion project that i think was a little too self-indulgent uh i give the movie but you know I, i do give the movie credit for a lot of the really cool things that it does. So for that, I give the movie a C. All right. All right. Well, that'll do it for our Valyrian review. Uh, when we come back, we're going to do our mini reviews. We've got a couple to talk to you guys about, but first a quick break. Don't go away. Okay, let's get into our mini reviews. We just have two this week, but I think we're going to make them worth your while. Uh, yeah. Will, you saw a movie called Aftermath. And I have to say, I haven't seen the trailer for this movie. All right. I know is that Arnold Schwarzenegger is in it. Please give me the full rundown. Okay, so this is a huge departure from or for Arnold Schwarzenegger because this is him in, I'd say, probably his second dramatic turn. He also did this uh, indie movie Jingle a all year the way. or two ago called... Yeah, yeah besides that one. Uh, which is a... I, I will say this about Jingle All the Way just real quick. <laughs> Jingle All the Way is a is a hilarious drunk movie. If you ever just want to watch like a a good bad movie, like like a so bad's good movie on Christmas. My, my family Jingle All the Way. Yeah, we grew up on Jingle All the Way in the Negroni household. Because so. right, because Jingle All the Way has a terrible message. <laughs> it really does. With like with horrible characters and no redeeming values to it whatsoever. Well, but it's just so nutty and weird that uh, yeah well that said what is the aftermath of a movie like (laughs) so aftermath is not is nothing like jingle all the way it's uh darren aronofsky produced uh based on a true story melodrama about an average uh he's he's implied that he's an immigrant but he's basically an average guy who is doing this he's a construction worker and he's waiting for the return of his wife and his pregnant daughter from this plane trip and uh, awaiting their arrival, he discovers that the plane crashed into another plane and that him and hundreds of other people have died tragically. And from there, we get the perspective of Scoot McNary, who is the guy that's in the uh, plane control room, who inadvertently kind of causes this accident to happen. So we're seeing from two different perspectives, these very similar but ultimately very different characters dealing with grief and isolation. And this is a film that I think on paper works really well because it's a compelling uh, idea. And I think there's a lot of dramatic potential here. And I think Scoot McNeary, as always, does a really good job. But Arnold Schwarzenegger is an actor I like a lot. I think he can be great in the right role. For instance, I think he is perfect as the Terminator because that's just him being, you know, that stonic, you know, hunky guy he is. Yeah, yeah. Or if he's very loose and funny, I think, I think he can also be very loose and funny like he is in Twins. But as this role, it's a very, you know, internally moved guy who's dealing with tragedy in a way that's basically the anti-Columbo. Or sorry, not Columbo, anti-Commando. 
where it, Commando is a movie about an average guy who loses his family and he goes like killing rampage. This is about a guy who loses family and basically like sulks for many not years. to be confused with the Punisher. Yeah, same thing. Uh, yeah, so I mean, it's a film that like it's almost good. It's almost there, but the biggest issue with the film, and it's a huge one, is that I just do not think Arnold Schwarzenegger has the dramatic potential to do this kind of role. I mean, he is trying hard. Like, he really wants to make this a good performance. And you could, like, you could see the sweat in his face. Like, you can see he's trying really hard to dig into the steps. But it's kind of similar to, um, like, Dwayne Johnson, Dwayne the Rock Johnson did this movie i think it was called snitch a couple years ago where it was like his son goes in the jail and he has to like do some like cd like thing and it's like it was like his first dramatic role and he tried really hard but he just couldn't really have like that like it was no walk and uh, tell yeah i mean it was just like he didn't have like that like you could tell like it it, like in his face he did all the right emotions but like in his eyes it just didn't have like you just couldn't see like that depth and he was like jennifer connelly and hulk Sure, yeah. Sorry, I did, uh, Nostalgia uh, Critic just did a Hulk review, okay. and I'm just like a right. little refreshed on how terrible she is in that movie. Really? I haven't seen that review yet. I mean, it's been a long time since it's, I've it's seen It's one of his better ones in a while, yeah. I'm planning to check it out, hopefully before I go on vacation. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, it just, it's, it bugs, it, this movie frustrates me because it's so close to being good, but Arnold Schwarzenegger just does not have it in him to make this performance work, and he's trying hard, and you can't blame him. For doing something different because he's a m- more mature actor he's almost in his 70s he, he he's not a muscle man anymore he is you know he's obviously old and i'm i would rather see him do something like this as opposed to terminator whatever but at this point but it just it just doesn't work and it's very frustrating because like i'd like to see him do something like this well but he just needs the right part and ultimately he was just very miscast in this and as opposed to valerian where the actors were miscast but i was able to look past it this movie, I couldn't see past the miscasting and ultimately hurt the film more than helped. So I'm going to give it a C plus. I mean, it sounds like a decent curiosity if it shows up on one of the streaming services, right? Yeah, yeah, like or like on Showtime or HBO yeah, or something. Yeah. You wanted to see if you if you just wanted to see the rare, fan, you know? Yeah, sure. I mean, if you just wanted to see like the rare, very dramatic turn from Morris Schwarzenegger and you're just curious what that looks like, I mean, you could try it. It's like an okay net. Uh, What's a Redbox rental? Yeah, but uh, it's even just, then, it's just, though, like, I would, if you're, I, it sounds like I shouldn't pay for it, right? Yeah, it's just that I really wanted this movie to be good, just as a fan of Schwarzenegger, and just like knowing that he needs to do something like this as career, and it just did not work for me. So I'm kind of bummed that this didn't work out. Oh well, uh, we've yeah. we've talked about two movies in a row that aren't amazing. Nah, that sucks. So let's finish strong. Oh, I like that Valerian. <laughs> But all right. Yeah, that's true. Well, yeah. But even then, you kind of can see that Valerian has a lot of problems. I'm really excited right. to mini-review Colossal, which we've already mini-reviewed on this show before, right? Really? I think so. I think you've already talked about it on Cinoholics. Am I crazy? Uh, I think I, I remember seeing it, but I think it was off the week that we would record. So we need to, we I need to be... I don't remember talking we, about it. We need it, to maybe start like, listing all of the stuff we mini-review, because that's yeah. important. Um <laughs> And uh, yeah, I'll do that. But I finally saw Colossal, as I explained earlier in the show, because I finally, uh, you know, well, you told me what was on your list. And I also really want to see Personal Shopper for that reason. I have no interest in yeah. seeing Raw. I have no idea what you see in that movie, but I just oh. can't. I can't do cannibals. I can't do it. I want to see it. I, I really hope you see it. I, at least Maverick. I want you I to see it. I want to see it really bad. Maverick, you watch it. Let me know. Because I just, I, I don't know, Cannibal Horror. Like, I didn't watch that other one, the Green Inferno. I just... 
Well, Green, no, Green Inferno is terrible. Raw is really good. Like, it's genuinely very well made. Inferno is just a terrible thing, though, movie. The, with, well, Bad Batch, I heard, is not very good either, but... Yeah, I haven't like seen that. Bad Batch. Uh, that said, I did watch Colossal, and... I mean, my gosh. I, I, I can't believe I waited this long to see it, so I bought it blind. I'm glad I did. This movie is awesome. For those of you who don't know, it stars Anne Hathaway, and... I don't want to talk about the movie too much because it is one of those things that I went into it mostly blind. I only saw one trailer. Mm-hmm. And the trailer, all the trailer really gives away, which is what I'll give away, is that Anne Hathaway finds out that when she is like drunk and not in control of herself, she is like remote controlling. She's like an avatar for a giant Godzilla-like monster that is rampaging South Korea. Uh, and in Godzilla fashion. And so like every like her movements like in life, like the monster is doing. So when she, when she's drunk and she's like wandering, she's like crushing buildings by accident a world away. Jason Sudeikis is also in this movie, and I, I, I can't say anything else to it, but here are the things that I love about Colossal and what makes this a must-see movie that has entered my top ten. I'm so glad to say that. Yeah. I, it is. This is for me an A minus film. Very nice. few complaints. Same here. But my gosh, uh, first of all, Anne Hathaway in this movie is awesome. One of her better performances. Mm-hmm. I know you were talking like, this is up there with Rachel getting married. Uh, yeah. That territory. And yeah. part of that is because this movie isn't just like a silly, high concept gimmick. Uh, it takes that idea and actually says a lot about mm-hmm. a lot of different things. One of my complaints is that it maybe tries to say too many things. There's like a little bit too much commentary in this and it's a little, you know, but... All, everything else that this movie tries to do with like toxic masculinity, the idea of like nice guys, and like you know, it, it, it basically takes the Britta Perry character from Community. This is like this the if Community was six seasons, this is the movie I think Community would have done, and uh, we would have been all the better for it. Well, Community is six seasons, right? It is six seasons, but the hashtag is six seasons and a movie. Oh yeah, I thought you said if. Community was if community was the movie in addition, like if it had its own movie. Oh yeah, I see. see. This is that kind of thing. It it is a bonkers idea that is played with a lot of emotion, heart, and some really. I mean, there is some weirdly emotional stuff in here. And my gosh, this soundtrack is fantastic. It is so Mm -hmm. good. As soon as this movie, I wasn't even. I was already shazamming the end credits, but like I had to seek out some of the music in this because. Weirdly enough, it's like folk music, uh, some rock, and it's just very small and contained, and it's all with a purpose. It, it is such a it's a movie filled with surprises like that. Please, if you it's a blind buy kind of movie. I can't imagine someone watching this and not having a good experience. I don't say that lightly. Maybe you don't blind buy it. I know it's going to be because that's that can be a risk, but I know it's going to be available yeah. for rental on iTunes on August first. I want to say. So please go check it out. It's one of the year's best movies. I'm watching the. Tra- I just watched the trailer as you talked about it, and I like. I want to watch it now. The trailer looks awesome. I you, you well. Hey Maverick, I I own it now. So. What does that mean? We don't yeah. live anywhere near each other, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> you just live in the basement. Yeah, yeah. That we don't have. Just just throw it under there one day. Yeah. Feed it underneath the door. Just, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, uh, that's all uh, I'll say um, about colossal maybe one of these days we can have a last call where we can talk about spoilers if maverick can watch it as sure. well because uh, i know you re- obviously will you really like the movie too yeah and like i was telling you during our chat uh off the air i i the first thing i thought of when i saw this movie was like i have no idea how this movie got made yeah but i am so glad this movie got made because it made my life so much better because <laughs> it's just like you said 
I mean, it's just a it's a kaiju character study, like a kaiju movie slash character study, and you just like I cannot think of, like like this is like Pacific Rim meets um like Rachel Gay Mary. It's like a weird combination that you would just never expect to see, and that Nacho I, I'm blank his last name. He did Time Crimes a couple other. He's movies. done a lot of movies I haven't seen. Um, so Time I'm not, Crimes I'm not quite good. as you, familiar with him. Yeah, you should if you, you've not seen Time Crimes. No, you should check it out. It's like. Probably one of my favorite um, time travel movies of the past couple years. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a very interesting. I was like, movie. oh, I want to see some more from this guy, so I'll start with that. Yeah, 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 definitely. It was on Netflix for a while. I don't know if it still is, but uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, this movie, like I said, no idea how it got made. I'm so glad it did. Anne Hathaway gives easily one of her top five best performances, maybe probably top. Three, I really enjoyed Jason Sudeikis in this. Yeah, it's Jason Sudeikis. No I mean, slouch. he like he's been proving himself a lot recently. He was also really good in uh, what's it, Last Man on Earth. He was really good in something else. I'm blanking on. He's been proving himself with that. I think it's a beard. <laughs> when he pulls up, it's like the same logic as like Robin Williams when yeah. he grows a beard. <laughs> that means he, things he are going to get kind of heavy, right? But like this <laughs> yeah. movie plays to his strengths in a lot of ways, right? Yeah. I don't think any other actor could have done a performance just like this, and I think that's what makes it really special, in my opinion. So. Yeah, I mean, it, it channels his his natural charisma and ultimately his untapped dramatic potential. Yeah. I can't really say any more because it t- deals in the spoilers. And like like John said, I mean, this is the only review you really need. Just yeah. go if you think this movie is but the way we've uh, described it thing, is interesting at all to you. Then yeah, right, that's enough. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, we should probably wrap it up from there because I don't want I, I'm afraid again the spoilers. Yeah, yeah. But well, okay. Well, that'll say? do it actually for Cinemaholics. I think we'll wrap it up here. Uh, thank you so much for listening, as always. If you haven't already, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you like the show and you want to leave us feedback, uh, just leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, and we might read it aloud. If uh, we want to always take your feedback to heart, of course, email us. Also, is another thing you can do. You can email us, cinemaholicspodcast at gmail.com. And uh, if you have any ideas for last calls you guys want us to do throughout the week, unfortunately, Will Ashen is going to be out of town next week. So... Yeah, yeah finally. Goodbye, I'm real bummed. Finally, yeah. Now we can hang out and like do whatever oh. we want. JK, miss oh, you. Oh, no. Will. Yeah, all right. I'll miss you Many too. Your reviews won't be John. the same without you, Will. Yeah. Because I don't watch anything. <laughs> yeah, any of those movies. Well, yeah. that's the point of mini reviews, Maverick. They're supposed to get you to watch these movies. Yeah, probably. You know, you go watch another stand up special on Netflix. I did. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you again so much for listening. Uh, with that. Uh, we'll see you guys again next week. I believe we're going to be talking about Atomic Blonde um, as well as, well, the Emoji movie is coming out. Jury is still out and whether we're going to get into that one a lot. I think we are. Um, but yeah, there's another movie coming out. Uh, well, there's Brigsby Bear and I'm forgetting one other one. An Inconvenient That's Sequel. That's right. An Inconvenient Sequel, Truth to Power. So it's going to be a heavy week. Uh, looking forward to it. I think Atomic Blonde, I'm, th- this is the movie that uh, I think in a lot of ways is going to close out the summer for me in terms of movies I'm really excited about. But Anyway. Yeah, except maybe I, I'm really looking forward to Logan Lucky. I forgot that's coming. That's out. right. Yeah, that's but an August that. film. Uh, we were going over the August releases because we're looking at the schedule, and I think Will, your words were like August is looking pretty dire. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's looking we'll dire. Unless unless Dark Tower surprises us. I really hope it does. And, but I've seen that same trailer 447 right. times, <laughs> yeah. so I think right. I've seen enough. But who knows? Yeah. Well, we will say this. Annabelle Creations actually getting surprisingly good reviews, so who knows? All right, well, thank you again so much for listening. We'll see you guys again next week from the Internet California. I'm John Agroni. 
From the area of Pennsylvania, I'm Will Ashton. From the Broadband Basement, I am Maverick Hines. We'll see you guys next time. Bye.